This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head to toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style, plus their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chale. That's mintmobile.com slash chale. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chale. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday. 
and thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome well it was another action-packed weekend in mma and it starts and ends with the incredible event that went down saturday in london coming up on today's show i'll talk about patty the baddie's impressive performance dan hooker's return to 145 and to begin one of the new faces of the heavyweight division I've been telling you, I've been begging you guys, you got to take a look at Aspinwall. There's a couple of guys in the UFC right now. I would put it as many as four, right? What What is the perennial division? Always heavyweights, right? It's combat. Sure it is. Same division Muhammad Ali was in and Mike Tyson was in and Hulk Hogan was in. It's always the heavyweights. We have heavyweight stars and then we have a whole bunch of heavyweight fighters and they're not necessarily the same guy. And for the fellow fighters to get on a docket and get their name out there, they have to lock up with one of the stars. But if they don't have the ranking and the rating, if they can't bring in the draw, right, this is where the politics of it come in. I have maintained for you guys, and I will continue to maintain, that the next generation of heavyweights that are going to take us through 2023 to 2027 is not some kid in Dagestan or a kid in Cuba who's an eighth grader, like many of you think. I think they're with us right now. I think they are signed to the organization right now. They just haven't had their moments. And Aspinwall is one of those guys who have identified for you guys a number of months ago. I told you, this is the guy. My favorite thing about Aspinwall, that if I was fighting him or I, you, one of my guys fighting him, I got a coach against him, it's his hands. This guy can box. Western boxing. You don't have to worry about the knees and the elbows and the Muay Thai and the spinning this as much. You got to worry about the lefts and the rights. You got to worry about the power that he has both in his hands and the concrete he's got in his chin. Tough son of a bitch. But when the house has been on fire and he's needed it the most, he doesn't go to the boxing. Now, I got a mole inside of Aspenwall's camp. So I spoke to him last night and just said, hey, what's going on here? I thought, Tom, this was a bat. He's going to have to get inside. He's dealing with a big kickboxer here in Volkov. It's going to be a stand-up battle. Who's going to be able to get to the target first? Who's going to be able to get there more often? Tom comes out, tackles him, and finishes him. What, what am I missing? He goes, well, Chael, he goes, you're actually right. In practice, Tom spends most of his time on mitts with his hands and also when we spar with his hands. This is the word. I haven't seen it. But when he needs it, he prefers to go to his grappling. Well, that, that adds a whole other wrinkle. I've been, I've been high on Aspenwall just thinking he had the boxing and the takedown defense. Now you are telling me he has the ability to get takedowns. Oh, and by the way, finish fights on the ground? I didn't even know that when I've been telling you guys how good he is. And you got to go back to his fight with Andre Orlovsky if you guys missed that. Andre was touching him up on the feet, boom, 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 touching him up. Round comes to an end. Tom gets some kind of instruction. Round starts, takes him down with a double, gets Andre out of there. And it was very similar. Tom just didn't wait. Tom didn't wait to get touched on the chin to have to go to a corner to kill a round. He, he just came out and got that takedown which is a very rare thing to do for a British guy, which is a country that does not contest wrestling. It's hard. It's hard to get that kind of training in. Australia is another one, just by example. And Robert Whitaker, while he is getting very good at the takedowns, is awesome at the takedown defense. But it's very hard to do. You've got to seek it out. I didn't have to seek it out. And nobody in North America does. When I was growing up, it was in the middle schools. It's less in the middle schools now due to budget cuts, but there's clubs all over the place. Every high school has it. The colleges have it. It doesn't matter if you're junior college, NAIA, Division Two, Division One. It's one of these things. Wrestling's easy to get. You can get those kinds of workouts. It's hard over there. So to see Aspenwall be able to come out and be so good with the grappling, 
right? The wrestling part of the grappling. Once you're on the ground, that's what you guys know is grappling. But it's not. That that's the jujitsu. That's the catch wrestling. If you're talking to Josh Barnett, that's very different than the wrestling aspect, which is what takes you to the ground in the first place. It's what Tom's doing so well. It's one of these very interesting things. Now, Tom knowing the business and going to have the final say of the entire evening, whatever he says is going to be heard louder than anything else that was said because he does it last, calls out Taitu Avasa. I'm on board. I'm not going to predict for you guys. I'm going to need a little bit more time to play with that. And I only have one reason why I think from a political standpoint it might not happen. However, when I tell you I'm on board, it's because I've yet to hear a better idea. Taiti Avasa is the most popular heavyweight in the world right now. He should be ranked number three. I don't know that they gave it to him. I know he's up there. He should be number three. He is the most popular. He is the one box office draw that you can count on more than any other heavyweight. What do you do with him? Because Ty's skills have not caught up. They will. And don't hear that as an insult because, boy, it's sure not meant to be one. There is something exciting about the potential of Tui Vasa because he is so green. He's dog tough. He's an awesome competitor. He shows up in shape. He is not scared. He can deal with nerves. That's the intangibles, but that's the hard stuff. As far as learning what to do, how you're going to get takedowns, how you're going to defend takedowns, how you're going to block, how you're going to roll, how you're going to fire back, what are you going to do with the kick? That comes in the practice room. That's not two of us's job. That's his coach's job. All two of us has to do is keep listening to his coach, and then time takes place. And the ring is that I bring that to you. The two of us that you love today that should be ranked number three in the world would get stopped, finished in the first round by the two of us that you're going to see one year from today. So that's where when I tell you this is exciting, I'm far from putting him down. Taiti Vasa could end up being the world champion, guys. Are you ready for that? Those skills aren't there right now, but he could be. So who you match him up with is extremely important. Now, Aspenwall's got that same rise coming. And skill-wise, I don't know who would win that fight. They could both beat each other. So in many ways, that's a great match. The problem is, is Aspenwall is just what I said. He's on his way up. So you're going to put two potential future stars, one of them gets eliminated. I don't love that idea. I don't love it. I like the match. I don't know how to solve that problem. Because heavyweight is just that. It's a problem. We got four guys sitting at the top. Between your Francis, the rumor of Jones, of course, Stipe, and Derek Lewis. You got these four stars. Then you got some really good fighters. These fighters have got to get matched up with the stars. They got to trade places. The stars have got to prove themselves. That's what the sport's all about. You prove your spot or you pass the torch, and then same thing happens to the next group. But it has to be that way. I don't like the idea of putting two up-and-comers that are going to be future box office draws to eliminate one another. I don't love that part of it. So I don't know that I'm willing to predict it. I will happily admit for you guys, to this point in time, I have not even heard a better idea. So you may have that fight, but the point is neither whether that fight happens or not. The point is that Aspinwall has us talking about the fight, which is his job. He owes that to himself. He served himself very well. Guys, two things from over the weekend stood out for me. I want to make sure that they're, they're to your attention because number one is Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker did not look great. Did you think he would? Of course he didn't look great. We all knew that he could win, but we all knew that he could not as well. First off, Arnold is a stud. Make sure you start with that. Some of these guys that aren't the bigger names, 
we just perceive to not be as good. That is not true. That has never been true. That is a fallacy within the sport, which is why it's really important that you get matched up accordingly. Now, you take whatever matches you get offered, but you have a chance prior to that phone call coming in to steer your own career. If you don't do it, if you don't get something going, if you don't start planting seeds, particularly in the world of social media, you've been irresponsible to yourself and you deserve whatever they want to give you. I bring that to you because Arnold's a bad son of a bitch. And Arnold's also very smart. I had a feeling going into this fight that Arnold would be very apprised on the fact of how difficult it would be for Dan Hooker to make weight. Dan Hooker gets on the skill. He's probably got 3% body fat. I was even talking to Dr. Bossy about that, just staring at the photo. We were guessing back and forth how much body fat do you have. I said, man, I don't know, but it's less than 3%. Look fantastic. But you also understand what he had to do to get that look, right? That look is a byproduct of hunger, of overtraining, and of dehydration. None of those three, let alone all of them together, are a good recipe to go out and have your best performance, right? It's just, it's one of those realities. Not to mention when you do something different, you can expect something different. When you're expecting something different, you know that you're going to get it. The first time is just for experience. The first time is just to try. I grew up, I grew up in wrestling. We got a really big tournament called Fargo. Our own coach was one of the best coaches in the entire world would tell our guys, first time is for experience. Second time is to place, and your third time is when we go to win it. This is just the process. And our coach was not easy. He did not alleviate pressure from it. He put it on us, but he was also very realistic. And you could look at the athletes that did that. It was exactly that order. Your first year, you're getting ran out of there. You walk in there with these big eyes. You don't know what to expect. Then you realize, oh, wait a minute, I can compete with these guys. And you go back and you get yourself on the medal stand. You say, wait a minute, I compete with these guys. I can beat them. You go back and get yourself a big old stop sign. It's a very real, and it's also very real with what Dan Hooker was going to have to deal with. Now, the reason I credit Arnold for that, I think Arnold just knew what time it was. So he says, look, one thing that comes with dehydration and changing of your physiology, generally speaking, is a slow start. So I'm going to go jump on this bitch right now. Hooker thinks he's going to come out and feel this octagon out a little, feel his speed, feel his side. I'm not going to give him those minutes. I'm going to crowd and I'm going to bring my A game to him right now, a storm, and hope that no tree is left standing. That's what happened. Dana was asked about this. I really appreciated this answer. He was asked by the media, what do you do with Hooker now? Now, when the media asks that question, they are acting as though, oh, silly me, I'm just asking a question. What they're hoping for is to dance on somebody's grave. The number one answer in media is hoping to get back for whatever evil reason. And we all have an evil side. Whatever evil side, when you at you want to hear it's going to get cut. You want to hear this didn't work out. You want to hear, hey, that's two in a row. This guy's gone. Who's Dan Hooker? Dana said he can do whatever he wants to do. He set a goal, fights anybody we asked him. He made the weight class. Whatever he does next is whatever he wants to do. I was so grateful that Dana saw and understood that a young man on a tough journey took a risk and he got caught. So what? He got caught on a night when we all knew if you're a fight fan, isn't going to be his best night. So what? The first time you go see it. The second time you place, the third time you win it. That's the way it works. I believe that since I was nine years old, quoting Roy Pittman right there. The other thing that happened, I want to make sure this didn't go over your guys' head. Paul Craig, who is flat impressive, I tell you guys all the time, you're not going to submit somebody from your back. Now, that's, of course, a broad stroke. I get more specific and tell you, you're not going to submit somebody in your back in a main event. But I don't really have to go that far. Submissions from the guard, it's just not a thing. It's not a thing to the point 
that the family, the Gracies, who brought jujitsu to the forefront of all of our minds, stopped doing it once they invicted, uh, employed the round system. We're even hoisters go, hey, that's not what we do. We get held down, we feel the guy out, we take a little energy out of him, we slip something on. You're breaking us up in between rounds, you're throwing off our rhythm. You could rinse and repeat that all night. The Gracies took their oars out of the water. They were only training people for a period of time. Then they figured out, okay, this is where the rules are going to be. We've got to adapt. I understand that. I'm just sharing that. I'm using that example to prove my point that very hard to get done under these circumstances. Craig keeps finding a way. Everything that I just told you guys is historically right. If you were going to let me keep putting barriers between, like I did, well, when it's a title fight or when it's in the fifth round, I could do that same thing with the weight class. At 205 pounds, it's not going to happen. But it keeps happening with Paul Craig. This son bitch is dangerous. And it's his hips, by the way. If you're ever watching him, oh, where how's he tying up the arm? And what's he doing with his leg? No, it's his hips. This guy's hips. It's like they're on glass the way they slip around. He moves beautifully. He entangles you and offers you a threat or a distraction. He waits for a level of posture and he attacks. It's awesome. But when Craig was done, called out Anthony Smith. He called out Anthony Smith. God damn, that's a good idea. Something has been going on with Lionheart. I am friends with Lionheart and I can't get an answer on what it was. Something. I got to leave it at something. He wants to fight to the point that he told me I will even go up a weight class, which puts him in heavyweight. I will even go down a weight class, which puts him at 185 pounds. I have the foggiest idea how he's going to make that. But that is how badly he wants to get back in there. He's got that itch. He's trained if any opportunities open up. He's in a situation where there is nobody. He's a very high-ranked guy. He's done eight main events. He's a popular guy. It puts him in a smaller pool, and everybody was booked. Well, they're not now. Paul Craig is apparently open. Paul Craig went a little bit further with his call-out. When he said, how about we main event? He even gave a location. No, he didn't say main event. He said five rounds. That's what I liked about it. He said, let's do it for five rounds. The reason I like that is because he's now disguising that he wants a main event. I love. Nobody gets anything they don't ask for. And matchmakers are just like you guys. How would you like it? Whatever job you do, whatever you do for a living, how would you like it if somebody walked in the door and did your job for you? Your job was done. You don't have to make phone calls. You don't have to negotiate. You don't have to wonder. You don't have, okay, it's going to be here and it's going to be, and then you're staying in this hotel and here's the weight club. And by the way, it's the main event. It's just done. It just drops in your lap. You can move on to the next thing. All of you would like that. I would love that. Of course we would. So Paul, Anthony, of course, accepts. So Paul and Anthony are now offering, we'll see if it gets accepted, not, not only to fight each other, which is a, oh my goodness, that's a fantastic match. We can break the X's and O's down once we get a bound agreement, but that is the match. Not to mention it's with the rankings, not to mention with the popularity. Those, I think that match is going to happen. I could not imagine saying no to that match. Not to mention, it satisfies a main event. They even got a location. Paul thought of everything. Now he just gets to say yes. And there is room to negotiate. Like if it's the same location, but it's a three-round fight. They're both going to say yes. But I think Paul's on to something. And I do think for Paul's style, the longer the better. And I know you guys haven't seen him in five-round fights. You haven't seen him go 25 minutes. But that kind of style bodes well over duration. Paul's just so damn good, he's not having to get to it. So I like that. I like that fight. I like that call-out. And Anthony's got some kind of business going with Uncle Aya. And with Anthony's response, he ever said that. Uncle Aya, Craig, whoever, I'm in. Eh, I don't really need to see the Uncle Aya fight. I don't know enough about Uncle Aya. 
I know that he's very good. I know he's doing very well. I know we just had a big win in a main event, but you're talking about Anthony Smith, who's done eight of them, including a world title fight where he would have been champion if he just said yes. He was a word away, not a move away. He was one word for being the world champion. I think you got to put him in there with somebody that's a little bit more interesting. I just think that's where Craig comes in. That fight had never crossed my mind. I thought about rematches with Glover to share. I thought, hey, you know, what's this guy? Do? I've had a lot of ideas for Anthony Smith. This is the one. Paul Craig hit this on the head. I want your guys' opinion. I'm going to read the comments. I'm teeing you up, but just tell me. Lionheart versus Craig. You buyers or sellers? The baddie. Where do you want to begin, guys? A lot of moving parts here. First off, this is what we call a Grand Slam. Most guys believe that a Grand Slam is a beautiful performance. Now, that's sure an important part of it. They just forget when they're performing. They think it's just a competition. No, everything leading into it. If those things didn't matter, we would not do them. The press the week of to the guy that's supposed to move the needle. That is not only a pressure and an obligation, it is a compliment because only one guy gets picked. It went to Patty, and he wasn't even the main event. So right down, just enough interest, and he did a great job. He then goes out in the fight. Now, I don't want to give his opponent a hard time because every fighter has done this, where they've gone in and they flicked it in. For whatever reason, they needed to be anywhere but in that contest. And when I tell you everybody's done that, whether it was in the practice room or it was actually in front of all the people, the last place you wanted to be, all gone through it. That rear naked choke wasn't even close to in. But rear naked chokes never are, at least very seldomly. The rear naked choke is the agreed upon, non-discussed sign within the sport of MMA of get me the hell out of here, right? The only time you run into a jerk is when you give him your back and he chooses to punch you instead of tap you out. That guy is breaking the deal. And I only share that because performance was great. But then it's what Patty did after. For goodness sakes, he calls out Mark Zuckerberg. Where did that come from? So apparently Patty has an Instagram account that got banned. And apparently Facebook owns Instagram now, which I thought Google owned it. So I also got to learn something. So he calls out Zuckerberg for a fight. Look, I get how silly it is. It was interesting. That's all I'm saying. It was entertaining. Then he leads the audience in a song. Now, none of this was new. Michael Bisping has been doing this stuff before this stuff was even fashionable. You take a little bit from Bisping, you mix a little sprinkle of Darren Till in there. You go grab from the great Tyson Fury, all of a sudden you got a final package that's still new and unique, and it's called Patty the Batty. I, guys, I loved it. I have been on the fence with Patty. I've tried to be mad at Patty. I can't. And the number one reason I can't is because he offers a disclosure. It's the same as Francis Ngannou. I mean, I really have to compare the two. Even if they're going different paths, Francis... And he didn't have to tell us. That's his business. He chose to bring us in, and he chose to share with us honestly what he was going to do. That's hard to be mad at. Patty, and the reason I make this comparison is Patty is telling anybody that will listen, including Dana White, straight to his ears, I'm not taking hard fights. I'm not fighting top guys. Not for the contract that I'm on right now. You put me on a bum contract, I'm going to fight fellow bums. And I'm going to tell you no over and over again. Oh, and by the way, before you think about shooing me out the door, take a look around because this arena is sold out due to me. Now, who wants to talk? It's a different spot. I see guys get too big for their britches. 
In fact, I could probably in my history in this sport, which dates back to 1993, I could count on one hand guys who never got too big for their britches. It's a very common thing. Now, it's only going to get worse. This is a poor kid who needs to fight, who has the greatest contract of his existence on earth. And he's still not happy. What, what happens when he starts making millions of dollars, right? It's one of those things. What happens if they do do a stadium that he's calling for and he packs out? It's one of these things. you got to know what you're getting into. But with everybody, whether disclosed or not, there's a pain in the ass waiting for you. There's some wall somewhere, whether they've reached it or not, eventually they will, and then it's going to ricochet backwards. Patty just happens to be telling us what it is for this time. It's hard to be mad at. It's hard. He turned down Gordon. Turned down Gordon a second time. Told everybody. Didn't lie about any of it. Did not deny a single thing and says, I'm going to continue to turn guys down that are as hard as Gordon. So just give me somebody light or give me a new contract. I don't like that, but I can't be mad. That's different. Right? Saying that I agree with it. Saying I'm happy about it. Saying I'm okay with it. No, no, no. I'm mad is the word that I'm using. I appreciate the disclosure. I guess that we're going to have to keep doing this. And it's not as though you got some hammer here. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I mean, he's walked out there twice. He won two fights here, both by finish. Plenty impressive. Took a couple of punches in this one. I mean, this, this isn't like some unbelievable guy that's looking for easy work. He qualifies as easy work. Easy work isn't, isn't a reality. It's a reflection of paper. How many fights have you had? The end. I mean, they've been matching up boxing opponents from the beginning of boxing based on that. You get a guy who's 19 and 5, who's multiple times better than a guy that's 11 and 0, and commissions won't make the fight. They won't sanction it. Thinking that the guy that's 11 and 0 is so much better. When the other guy, 19 and 5, just had way harder fights and would smash him. It's thrown boxing off for years. It's a whole entire thing. All I'm sharing for you is we're not to the point, again, to go back to the word mad, where we need to be upset with Patty. Patty's light work at this point, based on paper. He's also a big attraction, so a lot of guys are going to get on the docket with him. Not very many guys are going to turn him down. Patty has something very big to offer. Patty is making certain demands. But he shared that with everybody. It's different. Do you guys feel, do you, do you guys hear how that's different? Now, where does Patty go from here? I don't think that Patty's going to fight Mr. Hand Sanitizer. Mr. Hand Sanitizer, by the way, beat another guy. By Mr. Hand Sanitizer is, he's 12-0. and 0. I wouldn't have known who this gentleman was. Had Patty not thrown this at him and then labeled him hand sanitizer, but hand sanitizer's not playing around. This man is 12 and 0. And I looked his record up, looked it up a week ago, now it's off the top of my head. I think he's only gone the distance once. He's finishing guys with submission, he's finishing guys with striking. He's a killer. I want to see that fight. I'm hoping that I'm wrong, right? So you can't do a bad behavior as a way of building a fight and then go and get it. You just can't. But does this go into the category of bad behavior? I mean, they never touched each other. They just shouted. I've seen Marvin Vittori shout at people, and they booked that fight, rebooked the fight, finally did it a third time. I mean, there is some things that you can get away with. Well, hand sanitizer. I don't know. I'm hoping it's not that big of a deal. Because that one would be very interesting. Mr. Hand Sanitizer is everything that Patty says he won't fight. Way too good, way too decorated, going to be way too big of a fight. Everything that Patty says that he won't do. The other side of the coin is how do you back down from a guy in this situation. So it's a tough spot. Let's see where it goes. I'm just sharing with you. This was a slam dunk by the baddie. It was an absolute grand slam. Media leading up to it, which he was good at. What does that do for you? It doesn't get you any money. Well, not so fast. It gets you more media. 
That's an opportunity. Fighters like to say that they're a brand. If I was to sit any fighter down and go, what does what do those terms mean? Where did you read that? Tell me the book on what a brand is. They would be stuck. They have the foggiest idea. They heard somebody else say it. Now, the truth is they are right. It's specifically what an independent contractor is. It doesn't matter if you're setting up the lights and the microphones and the cameras or if you're doing the fight inside the octagon. You are bringing in your business. So when you go out and do media and you do a great job of it, don't get tired of it. Know that the better you do, the more that you're going to ask. The more that you get asked, the more that you're going to do. But you're building something. And it's special. And if you build it big enough, you can play that card in your favor when the time is right. So let's move away from UFC London to talk about another story that's catching my attention, Conor McGregor and his eventual return later this year. Son of a gun. So here's what the master did, okay? Here's what the greatest player in the game did. And this is a week ago, and this is revisionist history. And if you're one of the two listeners over here, You'll know that I spoke about this, but I've got to recap it because the timeline matters. Connor comes out of nowhere and says, yes, I will be fighting for a belt upon my return. Kamara's. I'm a 170-pounder now. And then he lays out his whole case. Been the 45-pound champion. Been the 55-pound champion. Knock both guys out, and I'll knock this guy out. I'm going to be the triple champ. I'm going to finish everybody, and that's that. Okay, well, mm, he kind of stuck us there because if anybody could do it, there's only one person, and it's Connor. And I don't mean that he's got some kind of supersonic skills. I mean, he's the only guy that's already won two belts that has also fought in a third weight class. He is literally the only guy. You put anybody out there you want, let him go get a victory. They can't do that. He's one of the very few double champions who still compete and who, by the way, has touched down in a third weight class. So it's very interesting, and there's no way to say no. There's no way you can smear that in his face like the puppy that missed the paper and make him feel bad about it, except for sticking him in there and giving him what he wants. So it's a very tough spot. If you're a supporter of Connor, great. If you're a hater of Connor, he didn't leave you with much. I maintain for you he's got no interest in Usman. He's got no interest in 170. I maintain for you he already got one champion in Volkanovski to call him out. He's now going to, to book into this thing by getting to Kamara to accept the fight so that he can go and do the one that he wants. Connor likes options. And Connor gets them. Red panty night is real, guys. It is a very real thing. It is too tempting and it is too hard. It is a very seductive business when you get the attention. It is a drug. It's on all sports. It's why athletes have such a hard time when it's done. It's why the number one thing athletes in retirement have to look forward to is alcoholism and drug abuse. They're just trying to re-get that high. So if you could be attached to Conor McGregor for this media tour for the headline, my Twitter account's going to go up 50,000 overnight, and I'm going to get 100,000 Instagram followers, and I, I'm getting called by ESPN, who's never even dialed my number before. It's one of those things you got to take it. So it puts Kamara in an interesting spot. Kamara knows exactly what he's trying to do, but at the same time, if there's any off chance that this crazy bastard, and Conor is a crazy bastard, went over and fought the greatest box in the world with zero expense, okay, he's out of his mind. There's a fine line in genius and insanity, okay? You see, you see where Connor sits on this thing. You can't turn that down if you're Kamara. You just can't. You don't have to take the bait. You don't have to go beg for it. You don't have to say you're going to put the whole division on hold and don't even ask me about Chemayev and forget Covington being the number one contender and I don't care about my business with Leon. You don't have to go that far with it. But just in case the crazy guy wants to go do something crazy and he can do it with you, right? It was hard. Now, let me ask you this. 
if Conor McGregor returns at welterweight, doesn't matter if it's Kamara or not, does not matter if it's with Usman or not, if he returns and he does it at welterweight, what does that mean for Charles Oliveira? Dana has made it very clear. Now, when Dana made this clear, Dana is basing it on the information that Dana currently has, which is that Islam is going to fight Benny. That changes if the guy that you thought was going to fight your champion no longer is. It changes. Does that change? Does that mean that fight can't happen, or does it just mean that Oliveira gets a break? There's a number of ways that you can solve the problem. I'm just asking, what one is it? What are we going to do? Generally, if anybody's going to sit in timeout, you don't make that your champion for obvious reasons. Not to mention it's a respect issue, and that's the guy you want to show the most to. So it's just a tough spot. If Connor goes and flirts at 170, again, it, title or not, title or not, if he wants to go 170, it doesn't have to be against Usman. 170 is 170 because Leon's now come out and Leon's waiting on his own future. He said, I'm going to fight Kamara Usman in the summer. I'm going to beat him. I'm then going to fight Kamara Usman again. We're going to go to a trilogy match. Now, I get that because I was singing that same tune. Fought a gentleman named Anderson Silva. We went and rematched. And I told anybody that would listen, I'm going to beat him up and then I'm going to recover and I'm going to come beat him up again. I knew that's where it was going to go anyway. I wanted to look as though it was my idea. I wanted to steer the ship. I was trying to get a positive mindset. Number of things that you're attempting to do there. But I don't see very many other people do it. Juliana Pena, perfect example. She beat Amanda Nunes, biggest upset in combat history, second only, if you want to bring boxing into it, second only to Buster Douglas over Mike Tyson. It was just an absolutely shocking moment. And she called Amanda out again. Called her out. Did not wait to be called out. Did not wait for Dana to say it. Didn't wait for any of the media to suggest it. Juliana grabbed a microphone and said, I beat her tonight and I will be beating her next again. It was great. Simple as that might sound, I loved it. And after I hear Leon say it, it was much like when I did it with Anderson or much like when Juliana did it with Amanda. It's true. Of course, if I beat Anderson, we would have gone and fought a third time be one apiece, you're going to the trilogy file. Of course, if Juliana beats Amanda, she's going to have to do it again. The same as when Rose beat Wei Lee or Rose over Joanna, just by example. It was such a shocking moment. I bet you can't do that again. And that's enough. And the audience did it either. They sold out Madison Square Garden. I bet you can't do it again, right? It's a real thing. So I like where Leon's head is at. I like that he's laying it out. I like that he's looking at his future. I like that he's in a positive mindset. I like that he's getting ahead of it. Who books two fights in a row? It's a brilliant thing. And apparently now Leon has done it. Great job to Leon. Let's go back to Oliveira. If Connor does in fact return and says he wants to do it at 55, with the information we have now that Islam is going to fight Benny, and one thing we know about this sport is it changes very quickly. Whatever is true right now will not completely be true by this time tomorrow. Somebody will get hit with a cold. Somebody's mother will get sick and they can't go to training camp. Somebody, I mean, you get it. I don't need, need to give you all of the examples. Things happen. The landscape goes very quickly. If everything holds up as we know it right now, great. We're going to get Benny. We're going to get Islam, the match that we were promised anyway, the number one contenders match, everything that we were promised but did not happen, insert Bobby Green three weeks ago, we're just going to go redo that. It still leaves you with what in the hell do you do with Oliveira? Now, I keep saying Oliveira because what I'm really trying to say is the champion. So that could be Gaethje. All right, same problem. Your champion is now in left field wearing a catcher's mitt. 
And it creates, it's a very interesting, the domino effect in MMA is very interesting. One piece changes. One piece changes. And when you're Conor McGregor, who floats over two divisions and sometimes two sports based on what you're feeling like today, it can change the whole plan for a whole bunch of guys under contract. So now that we have what Leon said and we accept it, now that we know Kamara's hand is better and we can accept it, and now that we know we're getting Connor back, but we don't know what weight class, before we can start to make any level of plans, we've got to establish that. Is Connor, and I don't need to hear about the title fight, I don't need to hear who the opponent is. Is McGregor going to be a 70 pounder or is he going to be a lightweight? Close out today's show. Let's begin where we started, and that's with the heavyweight division, which will have the spotlight on it again this coming weekend. Boy, this weekend matters, guys. Dacus versus Curtis Blades. I'm keeping a close eye on this one, and not because of the fight. Now, I happen to believe in Dacus. I happen to believe in Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades is a tough night out. I cannot understand for the life of me why Curtis is not over. This is a main event fight. I mean, I lay this out for you guys all the time. This is a main event fighter who will truly take on anybody. He won the same championship in collegiate wrestling that John Jones and Colby Covington won, just to put a perspective for you. This is a real guy who got complaints over time that he was the old school, boring wrestler. Hard for me to hear, but I do acknowledge that can be true. As wrestlers, we got to change some stuff that we're, we're, we're more pleasant, aesthetically speaking. But he did it. Curtis Blades is Mr. Kickboxer now. Curtis Blades is Mr. In Shape. His ground and pound is not holding you down and being a wet blanket. he take you down, sure, but then he's doing great damage. Curtis Blades is a very good fighter. And you must pay respect to the fact that he got in there with Ngano. I think all of you agree that Ngano's very good. I think that you agree on that. I know that's not unanimous. You're always going to get a jerk out there. However, can we all agree that he's terrifying? That is not a word that I use to describe other men. I don't know if I've ever used that word before to describe another man. And not necessarily because I didn't think. I would never admit it. I got my ego, too. He's terrifying. He's the biggest man I've ever seen. I've stood next to Shaquille O'Neal. I swear to goodness, Francis is bigger. I realize a scale and a tape measure is going to tell me that I'm completely right. He look, That's how big he looks. 260 and 260 is not the same thing. Some guys can do 260 different, right? You know what I'm saying? Curtis did that fight. He did that fight twice. The first time, maybe he didn't know what he was getting into. He sure as hell did the second time, and he went out of the country. Some bitch Curtis Blades flew 22 hours to go fight the most terrifying man in the world a second time. Second time went the same as the first time, and Curtis is trying to get in there for a third time. I don't know how you can't love that, not just like him, I think you need to love Curtis Blades. And I've asked you guys countless times, what has Curtis ever done? Is it something I missed? Was Curtis a jerk somewhere and I just didn't see it? Was Curtis in trouble somewhere and I just didn't see it? You never answered me, which tells me no. There's just something about Curtis that's having a hard time getting over. Okay. But Curtis is a main event fighter. Curtis Blades, I believe, lost his last fight. Unless I'm missing track, his last fight was Derek Lewis, of which he lost. He's returning to a main event. It doesn't work that way. 
get into a main event. The only thing bigger than a main event is a title fight, and generally a title fight is a main event, right? I mean, you're, you're splitting hairs here. I get that when the belt's up, it's still bigger, but this is as big as it gets. He gets starched, and he returns to a main event because he's good. He's handsome on top of that. He's decent at speaking on top of that. He's got a great attitude on top of that. He says yes when he gets asked to do something. I don't know what about Curtis does it get over. But when you talk about Dawkins, Dawkins is a rough customer. These guys have the common opponent in Derek Lewis with the exact same result. You match them up, history of the sport tells you that. As soon as Dawkins got knocked out by Derek Lewis, I did come and tell you guys his next fight will be Curtis Blades. Well, there's a, there's a formula. There's a rule. I didn't have inside information. That's the way that works. Okay, great. But I also think I've proved my point. You get two pretty good guys here. They got a common opponent. They both ate a hand that none of us could have eaten. They both got the same result for eating the hand. Now, I give you this entire diatribe because I believe this is the fight that feeds in to Tiavasa. Ty Tiavasa was called out by Aspinall. I don't think they're going to do that fight because I think that Tom is on his rise a little quicker than possibly Tom at the time he did the call out is aware of. Tom actually would be not in a very good position to judge how meteoric that performance over Volkov was right after that performance. He would not be in the position. All the rest of us watching it could say, okay, hey, we've got a star amongst us. He's beaten a former world champion, Orlovsky. He's now in a main event in his home country. Got an arena full of people cheering and chanting his name. Oh, and by the way, he stopped the former number four ranked fighter in the world. Big deal. Tiavasa is a star, and Tiavasa is getting better. Now, you don't get to carry him. Even if you wanted Tiavasa to win, you just, I want him to win. You, you can't. You can't carry him. That's just not what we do over here. In addition to that, his ranking's too goddamn high. You simply cannot carry him. Not to mention nobody's trying, evident of the fact that he just fought a two-time number one contender for the world championship in his hometown. It would have been a lot better for the business if Derek had won. And I only bring you that example to prove the point. That's just not what they do here. Nobody, nobody gets handed anything. So Ty's going to have to fight somebody, but you can still operate with a, 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 a little bit of wiggle room. And I just think that that's where Curtis Blades or Dawkins comes in. Curtis is much more polished, but Curtis does have a history of falling down when he's hit right on the chin. So matchup X's and O's wise, it works. Dawkins is not as skilled, but God damn, he's a brawler. Dawkins is good. Dawkins is a rough night out. And those are the same things that you would say about Ty. I'm just light on the idea. I like the idea of Aspinwall versus Ty. I admit that. I don't like the timing of it. They're both coming up so fast. Why walk? Why knock one of them off the tracks? Why be guaranteed? That's the risk that you have to take every single night as a promoter. You know which guy is going to get the bigger bump. You know at all times you thumb right on it. What would be better for business? But you got a 50% chance. It's not all that good. It's a very dangerous business, and it's why not very many people go into it. The other side of the coin is, if you put two rising stars together, you are guaranteed. Not a maybe. Not wishful thinking, let me cross my fingers. You are guaranteed I'm going to knock one of these main eventers off the tracks. I just don't love that timing. And when I do look at the guys, Tavasa is limited in his skills. He's getting better quickly. 
but he's dog tough and he's a rough night out for anybody. But the closer you can find to a brawler, one reason that Tavasa looks so good against Derek Lewis is that's a fellow brawler. They both play the same game, which is a risky one. Ox them here, you step here, let's go to war. Oh, by the way, the day before we both had to beat the scale, we both barely beat the scale. Like, there's a certain kind of guy. And I just think the winner of Lewis and Dawkins, who will return to a main event, or if they go on a pay-per-view, at least be very high up on the card, needs a fellow main eventer and or if you're on a pay-per-view, somebody very high up on the card. And they need a fighting chance. They need to have a similar style. So I'm paying very close attention to this weekend. I do believe between Tiavasa and Tom Aspinwall, between the two of them, their next opponent is going to come out of this fight. Whoever wins between Blades and Dawkins will feed into either Tiavasa or Aspinwall. If you'll give me that kind of wiggle room. If you won't, I'm going to tell you it's going to be Tiavasa. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, then I ask that you find my YouTube channel, my TikTok, my Instagram accounts to get more of me. So go do that and then come back for a new podcast on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen and you are welcome.